You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today... Uh, I have a a special message that I want to share. If you're a regular here, you didn't get a note card. We usually hand out note cards that you can take notes on. So if you have your phone, you can get a phone out or something else to write on because I'm sure there's some notes that you're going to want to take. We were in a series called A Better Life. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. I've pushed back. uh, We're going to wrap up that series, I believe, next Sunday. And so uh, today, though, I want to share a specific message. And today's the title for today's message is this, Prepare for Rain. Prepare for rain. And we're going to look at a story in God's word where uh, this is going to make a whole lot more sense. Uh, Prepare for rain. One of the things uh, growing up, my pastor always said this, that many times um, man is waiting on a move of God, but oftentimes God is waiting on a move of man. You see, how we walk with God is like a, uh, you ever, for some of you that, um, I don't know if they still have these quite, but the, you remember the seesaw or a teeter-totter out in the, the, the playground in the recess? That's a great representation of our walk with God. You see, it's a partnership that God doesn't want to just be a vending machine that you go to when you need things. He actually wants to partner with you to get a lot of things done, to go back and forth on that seesaw, on that teeter-totter. Many times, we are the person that's down, (laughs) and God is in the air, and we're saying, God, why don't you do your part? God, why don't you move? And he's in the air just like a, another kid would be swinging his legs saying, I can't until you do your part. And when we push off, it allows him then to what? Push off and do his part. And we begin this beautiful process of walking with God one step at a time and we go back and forth. Many times we want God to do everything and us to do nothing. I mean, no, that's not, that's not healthy. <laughs> there has to be a partnership. That's why it's a relationship with God. And so today we're going to look at a story in God's Word in the Old Testament where God, through a prophet, asks his people to have the faith to do something that seems a little ridiculous, but if they'll do it, he'll show up. And so here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at this story. It's found in 2 Kings uh, 3. And so in this story, Israel is actually, uh, they're marching into battle. They're pursuing an enemy that they're going to go and overtake, and they march into this barren wasteland. For several days. And here's where we'll pick up the story in 2 Kings 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army nor for the animals that were following them. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab, or their enemies, whom the Moabites were, their enemy. So they get to this point where they've been roundabout, they've been going, and they've been in this desolate place, and so much so that the kings, the group of kings get together, and they're like, look, it's not looking good. We've gone without water for a long time. I think God just brought us out here, and he's just going to deliver us into the hand of our enemy. What are we going to do? Finally, one of them gets, gets, wises up, and he, and he says, is there no prophet of the Lord nearby or here that we can go to him and we can inquire of him, of the Lord, and say, what is the Lord's will for this situation? He says, is there no one here that can, that can talk to the living God, that can give us some direction? And finally, one of them says, actually, there is a man named Elisha is here. Let's go to him. So this is where we pick up. They go to Elisha, and they go, and they're talking back and forth with Elisha. And at first, Elisha is a little hesitant, but he respects the position of the king. 
And because he respects the position of the king, he says, I will go and I will speak and I will hear from the Lord. And here's where we pick up. 2 Kings 3, verse 15. Elisha says this, but now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, Elisha. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you... Your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Also, here's this, what I love is the side note here. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. So here's, what, here's how Elisha responds. He says, look, you're going to need to do this thing. This is a simple thing for God. And also, you're going to have victory because you sought him. A couple of things that we, we look at in this, I'm going to pull out of here. The first one is this, is that live worship, um, this is why I love that we've transitioned. If you've been with us for a while, for a while we didn't have sound system and equipment to do live worship, so we played tracks where you could see the, uh, sing along with the, uh, the lyrics. We've transitioned into live worship uh, because of generous people who have helped us purchase the things that we need to do it well. Live worship, led by people whose hearts are tuned to the Holy Spirit, invites God's Spirit to move at a greater level. Again, let me go back to my initial, uh, um, what I said earlier. So many times we can plan church, and I've been in ministry for a while. We can plan church so well that, again, we plan God out of it. And so many times we get so caught up in planning church that everything we do on stage is a great performance, not great worship. And that's our heart here is that everything we do, including everything that anyone uh, speaks, me included, from this pulpit, that it is God honoring, God first, his word, his name above any other word, above any other name. It's not about promoting a brand or a church. We are a part of the kingdom of God. We are not, uh, we are not isolated by ourselves, the kingdom, the best thing. Look, we want to partner. We, we are not against any other churches. We're not a, a rival against another church. Look, we're all pursuing Jesus and in doing so, inviting people to pursue us, uh, pursue him with us. And so here's the thing. We've got to make sure that when we invite people to lead us in worship that they have a genuine heart. And that's what I love about the team that we're building. Uh, you've experienced it today. Worship is so genuine. Why? Because the people up here are worshiping. They're not performing. And this is what happens. This is why Elisha says what? Bring me a musician. Bring me someone here with a genuine heart who can play so that I can receive and I can hear from the Lord. I can what? Go into a little bit of a deeper uh, a deeper level of God's spirit here so I can receive from him. Bring me the musician. And I love that he says this. Later on, the second thing I want to point out is this. He says, this is a simple matter. Too many times we doubt God because of the naturally impossibility of a situation. Too many times we think it's impossible and we leave it at that. Think of the situation that these guys are in right? They're, they're desolate. They're in this roundabout place. And they're like, there's, not, there's no chance of rain. There's no looks of rain. There's no change. How is water going to show up? This seems impossible. Not to mention, we've gone a long time without water, and you're expecting us to do some manual labor. This doesn't make sense. doesn't make any sense. But here's what I love. He said, this is a simple thing in the sight of the Lord. Meaning what? Miracul miracles to God, the miraculous to God, is an everyday thing. We think of miracles as these like blow your mind, like, it, like how did that happen? Um, we, like lost for words, okay? Like man, this miracle took place. And God is saying, I do miracles 
just by breathing. That's how he created the entire universe. That's how he created this world. That's how he created man. What? His breath is miraculous. It is a simple thing for him to do the miraculous. It's not some, he's got to, you know, uh, he's not some person that's got to do a magic potion. And I got to really work hard to do this miracle for you. No, he just has to breathe into your situation and the miraculous takes place. It's a simple thing. That's the God that we serve. That's the living God that we serve. It's a simple thing. We serve a miracle working God. He says, not only, here's what I'm going to give you water for now. And then I'm going to give you victory for then. God's always one step ahead. When you pray for the miracle to happen in this situation in your life, God, would you show up here? He's saying, yeah, I can do that. But I'm also thinking about the next step ahead for you. I know you're not because this seems so big. You don't have water right now, but I'm also going to give you the victory. You see how good God is? His perspective is so much greater than ours. We just think, I just need water. And he's saying, yeah, but I'm going to give you victory as well. I see that need. I know that need. I'll be there whenever you get there. And I'm just going to go ahead and take care of that for you. Isn't God so good? He's a miracle-working God. And let's see how it finishes here in 2 Kings 3.20. It says this. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered, then suddenly, that suddenly, water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. There's an interesting study. You can get into this. I don't know exactly how it happened, but there's uh, different uh, theologians believe that uh, that it wasn't just rain that came, that, that there was rain, but there's also belief that, that water came out of the ground and it came from all different directions, basically. It flowed from one direction, but that it was a consuming water, that there was a bunch of water that rushed through and it came down uh, all, uh, for a period of time right there. It's a fascinating study, but what? An abundance of water is what we know. Suddenly, the land was filled with water. It was filled with water. Not that it just began to rain. That's true. That probably happened. But it was filled with water. When God sent the answer, when he sent the provision, when he sent the blessing, here's what's great. They were prepared to receive it. And here's what happens. We go back to the partnership with us and God. Many times we're praying for God to do something, but we haven't done the thing to prepare to receive it. They had to what? Dig ditches to receive the rain, to receive the provision. We serve, though, a God of suddenlies, as I like to say it. A God of suddenlies. We serve a God who, uh, you see, time and time again, right? Suddenly an angel appeared to Mary, the virgin. Suddenly a man received strength in his legs, in his feet. He stood up, he rejoiced, he jumped, he praised God. Suddenly the wind and the waves seized and the storm seized. Suddenly, that's how our God moves. Now, sometimes uh, for us, God's timing seems extended but God can always, today, God can move in a suddenly way like you don't even realize. He can always. And so that's why I pray, even when I, when I pray for people, let's use healing as an example. When I pray for people for healing, and I believe it's God's will to heal them, to touch their body, uh, it, the healing process may take time. I may pray, and it may be a week. It may be a month. It may, it may be a few years, and we're continuing to pray. But where is my faith when I pray? I am always praying with suddenly faith. I want to pray in such a way that if God showed up and if he touched their body and if, if, if somebody had vision issues and now they can see 2020, I want to pray that way. Why? Because I believe that's his character. That's what we see all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Suddenlies take place on a regular basis. So I would rather believe for the suddenly. And, and if it shows up, we got it, right? I would rather believe, put my faith there rather than I'm going to pray and fingers crossed, hope God heard it. Maybe it'll happen someday. Now let's pray for 
suddenly today God moves. God will move. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to make this um, specific to us as individuals, but then I also want to show how it applies to our church as well. Specifically, the question then today is this, how do we prepare for rain? How do I prepare for God to basically respond? And the, the, the answer is simple. We see it in, in, in the story. I need to spiritually dig some ditches, right? Like, okay, if I'm believing God for healing, don't go out today and dig a ditch in your backyard. That's not what I'm talking about. Spiritually, I need to dig some ditches, Imagine the situation. Here this, these armies are, multiple armies, dehydrated. They're tired and they're thirsty. And they're, um, you know, you know how it is when, you, when you're hungry and when you're thirsty, you get a little angry, right? They're, they're a little on edge. And what, is the, what does God say? What does the man, man of God tell them to do? Go do some manual labor. Go pick up a shovel, boys. Let's start digging. It's the last thing they wanted to hear. It's the last thing they wanted to hear is that we need to go do what? No, like... We're not saying what we're going to do. No, go dig some ditches. Not just one, okay? Not just one for you. Dig ditches. Fill this valley with ditches. That's what I love. Fill the valley with ditches. How big is the valley? There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of animals. Pretty big. Fill the valley with ditches. Let me remind you, this does not make sense naturally. Many times you're going to see things in God's word and you think, or God's prompting you to do something, and it doesn't make sense in this human brain, but in your faith's heart, it does make sense because God's prompting you to do it. So up here, it may not make sense. This doesn't make sense naturally. Uh, Think about it from their perspective, right? God, you're all powerful. Why don't you just, um, we'll pray or we'll do an offering, and why don't you just like cause it to start raining? Doesn't that seem simpler? Like, it's going to save us a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, it's going to save us a lot of blisters, okay? Can you just make it rain? That would be ideal. That would be fantastic. If you could just start it, if you just send a few clouds, get some cloud cover, that would be great. Send us a few raindrops. We'll, just, we'll work on capturing the rain from there, and then we'll be good. But that's not what God does. That's not what he said. He said, dig some ditches. doesn't make sense naturally. But here's what we know. Faith is the catalyst to the miraculous move of God. What's a catalyst? It's a, think of a, a, a firework, a stick of dynamite, the fuse. What is faith? Faith is the light. When it's that fire that I light, when I light that fuse and it starts, that's what faith is. And God's power to move miraculously, that word power, um, in fact, dynamite, we get that from the root word of God's power from his word. I start it. My faith starts the fuse. Now, how long that fuse goes, that's God's timing. But I did my part in lighting it. Faith is the catalyst. It's the thing that starts, it's the spark that starts the process for God's power to go and to work in my life. But too many times we are praying and using our faith verbally, but faith without works is dead. I have failed to do, maybe God's prompted me to do something in the natural that will start the process. Faith in the natural that will start the process for his power to work, for his power to move, right? Well, here's a great example. I want to be debt-free, praying that God will make me debt-free. Great. Are you on a budget now? God can, I mean, because if God drops a million dollars in your bank account this afternoon, if you aren't managing your $50 in your bank account right now, you're going to lose all that millions of dollars pretty quick. Have I learned to manage what I'm believing God for to the best of my ability? 
Another one is this. I'm, I'm believing God for a godly, attractive spouse someday. That's great. That's a good thing to pray for. Amen, right? It's a good thing to pray for. But am I growing spiritually, personally? Am I taking care of my health physically? I'm praying for some, some dreamboat person, right? Am I doing my part for that dreamboat person that, to actually have any interest in me? See, I can pray with faith verbally, but I also need to ask myself, Lord, are there some ditches that I can dig to prepare to receive what you have for me? Does that make sense? We need to prepare in such a way, and you will only catch the amount of water that your faith is prepared for. I can, they could have dug one ditch, and that's what they would receive. Or they can fill the valley with ditches, and they can receive in abundance. You can dig one ditch and be satisfied for a moment, or you can dig many ditches and be fulfilled. What's many ditches? It's a life of faith. It's a life of preparing for God to move. It is walking by faith and not by sight. It is walking in such a way that not only am I receiving the goodness of God, not only am I digging just one decision for me to understand God's goodness, to me receive that provision, whatever it is, but when I dig many ditches spiritually in my life, meaning I'm moving from one step of faith to the next, and I'm taking steps of faith as I walk through this life. Here's what God's word says in this story. The parallel is this. Not only will I receive the water of the provision from God, but he says you will, your neighbor will, and your animals will. That's what happened in the natural in the story. He said you will drink, your animals will drink. The water will be plentiful for all of you. And this is the ripple effect, the generational ripple effect when you make and live by faith for God. This is why it's important, because your walk with God is never just about you. Your decision of faith or the lack of decision of faith today does never just affect your life. What's well, my life? My kids can do whatever they want, believe, you know, whatever. My spouse, whatever. No. What you choose to do and the amount of faith that you put into it is preparing and doing my part so that God, when he shows up, he can not only show me his goodness, but it will overflow into my spouse, my kids, and their kids, and beyond. We serve a generational God, and I think that's another thing that we forget. Generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many times we see that in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is always a little confusing when I was a kid growing up. Right when we are teaching kids this this verse, you have to make sure they understand it's not a you know well that means you need to put on a blindfold every day and go walk around and try to go to school. That's not what we're talking about, right? Because kids are going to think that that's what that's where their mind goes. Well, what does that mean? Here's okay, I got to close my eyes. I'm trying to walk by faith. That's not what we're saying. I'm saying this. It's a great reminder. This verse shows us that God's. Uh, in fact, let me word it this way: We walk by God's vision, not by man's sight. We walk by God's vision, not by man's sight. So what's the difference? Sight is what I see when my eyes are open. Vision is what I see when my eyes are closed. God's vision is faith vision. It's my, it's my heart's eyes, if you want to look at it that way. I can see sight. This feels like reality. But I can close my eyes in faith and say, Lord, give me your vision for this situation. Give me your vision for this situation. 
sight. The story has it in, 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 in the story. It says what? You will not see wind, nor will you see rain, yet the valley will be filled with water. So what was the man of God doing by saying that to them? He was trying to get them to see God's vision. He's saying, stop walking around looking with ease. I mean, keep your eyes open so you don't, you don't hurt yourself. But he says, stop being so focused with what you see here. And he says, believe me that if you'll do what I say and what God is saying through me, believe me that when you close your eyes, you could see the water fill this valley. It will be filled with, with water. Fill it with ditches, it will be filled with water. So here's what happens. You may say this, well, you may see a bad diagnosis, but you can have vision for healing. Am I living in denial? No. No. It's good to go to the doctor. It's good to get a report. It shows you how to pray. There may be some things that he can give you that's an easy fix, something you can start doing. That's, we're not against doctors. Do you hear me that? But I'm just saying, so many times we focus too much here, and we don't spend enough time in here to get God's vision for our situation we're facing. You may see a bad diagnosis, but you can have vision when you close your eyes and say, Lord, help me have your vision. Help me have your mind. Lord, I pray that I would have what your word says I can have, that by your stripes I was healed. I pray that I can have healing in the name of Jesus. Help me see it, Lord. Help me believe it. Help me build my faith as I read more of your word about this topic. You see how I can close my eyes and I can change my vision in here, even though when I open my eyes, I may see the same thing. Okay? I may see a marriage on the brink of divorce, but I can have vision for restoration and for healing. Okay? I may see my child that is far from God that I've just been praying for, and Lord, would you bring them home? Would you help them, Lord, know you better? I can may see your grown child that's far from God, that doesn't know God, that's running from God, but you can have vision for their salvation. Do you see how you've got to, you've got to learn to walk by God's vision, not by man's sight? Man's sight has a part to play, but it cannot be the Lord of our life. It can't be how I live my everyday life. Digging ditches in my life spiritually, it shows God the measure of my faith. And I want to pray big prayers. I want to pray prayers that seem impossible. Why? Because what if God answers it? You see, sometimes... We don't pray for healing because we don't think that God could actually move in that situation. Sometimes we won't pray for our impossible relationship with our spouse or whatever it is, this is the relationship that's just awful because we don't think that God could actually move. But can I just put some faith in you today and say, what if he can? And what if he will? You see, if I change my perspective and I stop looking here, but I close my eyes and I start believing in here, I can walk by God's vision, not by my own sight. Does it mean everything's just going to magically disappear? No. Does it mean I may have to pray diligently, daily, and maybe hourly if I have to? Maybe. But what if God shows up? I want to take that chance. The amount of ditches I dig spiritually shows the measure of my faith. And so the question is, what spiritual ditches am I digging in the area of my life that I need God to move? What are you praying for? What do you believe in God for? What do you think he needs, to, he needs to show up here? Okay, you're praying. Step one, you've got to pray. That's, that's obviously important. But what things can I do in the natural? Is there a step I need to take? Is there a person I just need to talk to? Is there some way I need to position myself to receive what God has for me? And here's the encouraging thing. 
I heard many pastors say this, so I, can't, I don't know who to give credit to, but people have said this, and it's good. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You just have to have the faith to start. Too many times we think this process is too much and my faith is not there yet. And God's saying, that's okay. Would you just have the faith to take a step today? One step. Would you just have the faith to just trust me? Just to even begin praying about that thing today? That's step one. Just have the faith to start and watch what God will do. So my challenge for you personally is this today. How's your vision? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision for you how you want your kids' lives to go? Hopefully you do. What is it? Vision is here. It's God's vision. Start putting man's sight, your sight aside. It may look bad, but don't let man's sight trump God's vision. Walk by faith, not by sight alone. Okay? Here's what this means for our church. Over the past several months, we've been planning and preparing and feeling this message right here, feeling like God prompting me and our leadership team to get ready for uh, um, God to move in our church where we could have a building and a space to meet of our own, where we can put our name on the building, we can be permanent, we can use it to bless families, we can use it to put down our roots and just get a little more established in our community. And so I said, okay, Lord, that's, that's, that sounds great, but how are we going to do that? Like, we, we need some, we're a smaller church right now, we need some help financially. And so God prompted me, and as I talked with some of my uh, pastor uh, friends that are advisors in my life, I just started talking with them, talking with our leadership team. I feel like God put this goal in our, in our heart for a, a giving campaign to position us for, um, to get ready for our next step as a church. And this campaign that we're calling it this, God's House our home. Why? Because every time we meet, look, this is God's house, but it's also important that we have a home, a place that we can say, hey, we are in this community, we are here to stay, and we are here to put down some roots so that we can, what, produce fruit in our, in our communities, in our lives, and have a place to, to grow in community. God's house, our home. In this, um, what I've felt like God put on our heart is that we started just doing some math and just seeking God is that we wanted to set a six-month goal. And that six-month goal was for us to raise $135,000 in six months. Now, before I break it down, before we get to this chart that I have to show, before I get there, that may seem like a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, but here's, there's a few different reasons why. Number one, if we were going to purchase a building, what the bank has said, you know, what we can get approved for right now, we would need about $100,000 in a down payment. We don't have that in the bank right now. So it was like, okay, Lord, that makes sense. Then we'd have a little bit extra to do, uh, you know, buy some furniture or paint or move a wall or something like that. We'd have a little bit extra to do some of that. The other side of it is if we leased a space, well, we would have some money to put into a lease space because there's not a ton of lease spaces that are set up for church. Um, and so we're like, okay, Lord, if, we, if there's a space that opens up that we can lease, no matter what space it is, we can come in and actually make it feel like our home, make it feel like us, make it feel like our culture, make it appropriate to our culture. And so here's how this chart, or here's how that $135,000 breaks down. Uh, I'm going to start from the bottom, okay, because it's less intimidating, all right? At the total, our goal is $135,000. Here's how this makes sense. Number of people on the far left, let's go all the way to the bottom. If 60 people would commit to give $250, not today, over six-month time, that is $42 a month, 
or $10 a week. I can give $10 a week, two cups of coffee, a, a, a meal out. I can give $10 a week for six months. It equals roughly $250. So if 60 people did that, if you go up one, if 30 people said, well, I can give, I could do 500 over six months. I can't do it today, but I could do six months of it. That's $19 a week, all the way up to the very top. This is the most intimidating. That's why I started at the bottom. Okay, if one person <laughs> said I can give $20,000 over six months, that may seem like a lot to, to most of us in the room, but all, honestly, there's, there's, I know there's people, there's people in my life, there's people, uh, there's businesses that could give that amount and honestly would probably be willing to give that amount. That's why we got to have the faith to ask, right? <laughs> if one person could give $20,000, if one business could give $20,000 over six months, what is that, 769 a week? If they could do that, so if we had one person do that, two people do the 10,000, five do the 5,000, and all the way down to 60 doing 250, that's around 120 people total that would get us to our goal of $135,000. Now, let me give you some more details, and I'm trying not to make your head spin here, but we were planning, getting all this prepared, getting it ready, and thinking, okay, here's what we would like to do in November, mid-November, maybe late November. We'd like to launch this campaign so that in six months' time, when this was over, we would have a little bit of time, about a month or so, before our third birthday as a church. That would provide us a way that we could potentially be in a new space by our third birthday. Seems like a great goal. Love it. That sounds great. Sounds like a plan. So we begin moving forward with this, and we were going to make a plan for this. And then uh, this past week, I got a a message, a phone call. And uh, as many of you know, this space has been for sale or for lease for quite a while. It is the, uh, outside of our price range. We'll say it that way. We'll keep it short. I got notified that the Noah's building that we are currently meeting in is under contract, and they plan on closing on December 10th of this year. So roughly four Sundays from today, uh, and they've also asked that we would be out of the building by that date. So you can imagine my initial response uh, when I got that phone call is it felt kind of like a sucker punch because uh, I thought we would have a little bit more time. And if we ever moved, I was, I was uh, planning on not doing it in the middle of the holiday season. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had to move your house in the middle of the holidays? It's a little stressful, okay? Um, caught me off guard. I was surprised. But can I tell you and remind you who wasn't? God. He knew. He knew this was coming. And here's what's amazing is though we were uh, planning on uh, approaching this a little bit differently with our giving campaign and, and God's House, Our Home, that campaign, um, we were already getting things prepared for this situation without really even knowing it. And so here's, I'll, I'll go to my, I'll give you some action steps here as I begin to wrap up. Let me show you the action steps. Number one is this. If Abide is your church, you call this your church home. This is your place. Uh, these are your action steps. Number one is this. I need you to pray. Because obviously this timeline is, is quick. So we will be in a new space sometime <laughs> after, maybe before, after December 10th. What does that look like? Where is that space? I don't know yet. We've, we're looking at, we're talking, working with realtors, talking, looking at different places. I'll keep you in the loop as much as I can as we move forward. Where's the next space? I don't know yet. That's why, number one, the most important thing you can do for Abide Church is pray. Pray for God's will. Pray for favor. Pray for insight. 
pray for the right financial partners to come along to help us as we prepare for this next season of our church. The second thing I would ask you to do is this, is to ask God how much he wants you to give above your tithe and your offering. What is our tithe? The tithe is the first 10% of our income goes to, goes to the house of the Lord. We use that to support missions, to support, help single mothers after the first of the year. We're also going to branch out and we're going to um, uh, partner with another organization that helps uh, men and families that are, in, uh, that are in the military, our first responders. And so we have places that our tithe helps go beyond what we just do on Sunday. It helps, it helps a lot of people. And so I'm going to ask you to con- faithfully continue giving your tithe and offering. But I'm going to ask you as your pastor, if this is your church, to ask God what he would have you give. And as you leave today, if you say, well, I can't remember the chart. I have a chart for you, okay? <laughs> so you can take it home and pray about it. As you leave today, we're going to give you one of these. And you may say, well, I don't, I'm in between one of these levels. God's prompted me to give a certain amount that doesn't fall on the chart. That's fine. All I'm asking you to do is to ask God. Don't do what Pastor Dan is twisting your arm to do. That's not, hear me, that's not what I'm doing. You go home, you talk to your spouse, if you're married, and you seek God together, you pray and you come back together and you say, what do we feel like God's prompting us to give? And you obey God. You obey God always, number one. The third thing you can do is this. You can spread the word. I was talking to a pastor uh, friend earlier this year, and he said uh, they were doing a giving, giving campaign, much different situation, uh, but they were doing a giving campaign. And one of the members from their church went to his work, and he was sharing about the giving campaign with his boss. And his boss, who owned the company, says, hey, I, I want to give to that. And he wrote a check for $25,000 that day. He gave it to the church. The boss was not a believer. The boss never stepped foot in the church. But the owner of that company, the boss, what he did is he saw what that church meant to his employee and how that church had changed, how God had used that church to change their life for the better. And he said, I can get behind that. You never know who you're having a conversation with and say, hey, would you think about this? Would you pray about this? You never know who might step in in a big way. Who might step in in a big way. Let me go back to the ending of our story as I wrap up here. In 2 Kings 3.20, it says this. It says, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. I didn't see this until this past week. When did suddenly happen after the offering? Dig the ditch. <laughs> Here's what happened. Dig ditches, right? Seesaw. They did their part. And God says, I'm going to send rain, okay? He gives them the word of encouragement. I'm going to send rain. And then what happens? They begin to do their part again. All right, Lord, we're gonna, we're, you said it. We're going to, hey, we're going to give an offering. And suddenly, it's the beautiful balance of walking with God in relationship with him. Not as a vending machine, not as some religious um, follow these rules. He's at a distance and I'm just trying not to upset him type of person. No, relationship. Because here's what's great about Seesaw. When two people are going together, you actually get to have fun. I tell our team this a lot. If we're not having fun, we're probably doing it wrong. Okay? If we're serving God and we're not having fun, something ain't right. So, all this being said, 
as your pastor, if this is your church, I'm asking you to help us financially dig some ditches as we prepare for what God has next. Again, was this a little bit of a surprise, a little bit quicker than we thought? Yeah. Would we want to do this during the holidays? Not necessarily. But this is walking by faith. Sometimes life doesn't go as you have it planned. But God's vision is always greater than yours. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts, so much higher than your thoughts. And when we trust him, put our faith in our prayer and in putting it to action and doing our part, what happens? We open the door for God to move. We dig some ditches, not just one, but we fill a valley with ditches. And not only will we get to experience the presence of God, the provision of God in our own life, but it will overflow into our spouse's life, into our kid's life, into their generation. I want to see a church that our kids can grow up in and love and that their kids can grow up in and love. But here's what it takes. Some people who are willing to sow in faith and say, I don't even know my grandkids yet. They're not born yet. I got little kids at home. But I'm going to believe in faith, invest in God's kingdom, and see God move for them and for me. When you leave today, here's all I'm asking you to do is take this home and pray. I'll give you a few other action steps too. But pray about this. On the back, it shows you, how do I give to this? Here's what's great. is we, The logistical side of it, we have a, what's called a house fund. We've already had that set up in preparation for this. So the business side of it, the logistical side of it is already set up so that when people give, it goes to that separate account. It's not used for missions. It's not used for payroll. It's not used for anything like that. Not used to pay our bills. This is used for God's house, our home. So things that are pertaining to this next space for us. Here's what's awesome. Because we already had that set up, and I shared this, uh, this announcement, this message with our A-teamers at our last team night this past week. Here's what's awesome. is just in the last three or four days, we have had just shy of $2,000 already come in towards our house fund. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. That represents six, uh, six or seven people that have already began to give. God's good. In your life, There are going to be times when what you see with your natural eyes is shocking and it's impossible and you don't know what to do. My prayer for you today is this personally, is that you would walk by God's vision, right? Not man's sight. And as a church, that's what we will commit to do as well. That no matter what comes and we see in the natural, it looks crazy, it looks impossible, it's not ideal. I'm going to choose to close my eyes if I have to and walk by God's vision, his character, put my faith in his faithfulness, and not by my sight alone. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. You are a faithful God. You never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we look at stories in your word, Lord, we can see your character. That your character, your desire is to provide for your kids because you are a perfect heavenly father. You are a perfect father. And Lord, today we submit to you and we just say, Lord, as we do our part, 
I just pray for everyone in the room, everyone watching this. I pray that as they go home, as they pray, as they seek you, as they ask and, and seek what, what you would have them give, Lord, I pray that you would prompt people. You just make it clear, Lord, speak directly into their life. And Lord, I thank you that your word is so true, that you say that you love a cheerful giver and that you don't, you don't overlook it. I pray that you would see the sacrifices that would be made to give this. Lord, I pray that you would see the people that are choosing to live by faith that seems like a big stretch to give this extra amount towards something in your kingdom. I thank you that you see it. And it, that, that reward, it does not re- return void to them, Lord. That there's not an empty harvest because of that. I thank you that, Lord, you see that they are a willing channel and you begin to use them as a channel to bless people as you bless them as well. And God, we thank you that as a by church that our best days our next days. They're right in front of us. We're going to walk by faith, not by sight alone. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.